to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They stood there puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. And the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And that's good news Easter Sunday morning. Amen. Amen. Hey, I... I've been there. I went, I went to the tomb. Now, LifePoint folks, you've seen these pictures a thousand times. And I'm just going to tell you, as long as you come to this church on Easter, Easter you're going to see these pictures. <laughs> just telling you right now, always going to be there. So he, here's a picture of me standing in front of the garden tomb. And this may come as a surprise to you, but I was bawling like a little child. <laughs> bawling like a child. And it was so cool to travel that that area of the world, and to stand outside the tomb. And here's what the, the archaeologists and the historians and the tour guides would say. Now, we're not sure that this is the tomb, but we kind of think it is. And now, now listen, I'm, I'm not an archaeologist and I'm not a scientist, but I, I think we're overthinking it a little bit. See, the next picture shows something else. See, all the other tombs and graves in Jerusalem have a dead body in them, and this one didn't. So I think that's the one. <laughs> that's just how I landed. That's, that's probably the one. Um, I, I will tell you that standing in that tomb, all of these Easter songs and all of this celebration that we're experiencing today became very real to me. And what I hope today is that you and I can celebrate together and understand the truth that Easter really happened. It's not a myth. It's not a fable. It's not something we just talk about. It's not something that our religion celebrates. What happened was three days after Jesus shed his blood and died on the cross of Calvary, he arose victorious and triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. And that's what we celebrate today. And that's good news. That's good news. Um, so happy Easter. Um, but, but I will tell you that um, every Sunday is Easter Sunday. You know, the, you know, the difference between this Easter Sunday is some of y'all got on new shirts. <laughs> we sang a couple new songs, and, and that's, that's the difference. Uh, but I'm going to tell you today that every Sunday is Easter Sunday. And what I want to talk about just for a couple of minutes, what's so cool, I got, a lot, I got a lot of pastor friends, and we're all preaching the same thing this morning. All, all across the globe, Pastors are standing on all the corners of this earth declaring that Jesus is alive. And it's so cool that it doesn't matter this morning if you go to Baptist Church, Methodist Church, Church of God, Church of Christ, Assembly of God, whatever you're in this morning, we are standing and celebrating that Jesus really is alive. It really happened. And that's what we're going to do today. So I hope today that you're in a room and you are passionately in love with Jesus. And maybe you're here and you're just not. I, I, I'm hoping and I'm praying and I'm believing that before you leave today, you're going to start a brand new in love relationship with the only begotten son of God who is very much alive this morning. Yeah. So we're going to talk about three things that Easter is. And then, you know, we're all going to go stand in line at a restaurant or something. But I, I just I, I don't want you to get away today. 
I don't want you to get so focused on the family pictures and the Easter baskets and, the, and all that stuff. And it's so cool. And I, I, we love it. We had my granddaughter over last night and we got to hide Easter eggs. And there's all kinds of candy around my house that needs to get gone. got your Bibles or something with a Bible on it. It'll be on the screen behind me. I think it's in your bulletin. 1 Peter 1 and 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. Listen to this, y'all. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to I read that again. I want you to focus on three phrases inside that, okay? You ready? Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Man, circle that, born again. Any born again folks here? Uh, I'm not talking about you joined a church. I mean, you passed from death to life. Born again folks here. All right. To uh, a living hope. You might want to circle those two words, living hope. Anybody hear that there was a hopeless season in your life and Christ came in and now, now you know hope? There's three of you. Anybody else know hope? And here's why that's available to you, because through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Circle that phrase, resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's three things that Easter means, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I need your help today. Man, I... I'm so excited. I, I love Easter. Listen, my, I, I love Christmas, and I've told you the stories about my wife, Queen Christmas. Got every room in the house, there's Christmas candles in the bathroom, everything, you know. But there's just something. Buddha was born. Come on. Muhammad was born, but they're still dead. Jesus is very much alive. So here's three things. That Easter means to you, Easter means to me, first of all, is that sin is redeemed. See, we read that phrase in our text. It says, he has caused us to be born again. To be born. You know, that's not religious phraseology. That's really what happens. We were dead men, dead men, dead women, and he who uh, knew no sin became sin for us so we might become the righteousness of God in him. That if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. That's us. Colossians chapter 1. I, I love this. I, I read along. I send your bulletin. He has delivered us from the domains of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Look at that word transferred. If you, if you happen to read the King James Bible, it's, it's the word conveyed. And I, I, I studied that word a little bit. And it's an, it's an old Greek word. And here's what it means. That means when one king conquered the, the land of another king, the conquering king would take all the people from the defeated kingdom and take them home to live with him. So the conquering king transferred all the people from the conquered land to the new land. And that's what this verse says happened to me and you. He took us out of our old dead land that was just miserable and dead and dying and transferred us, conveyed us to a brand new land. And it's, it's the hope of heaven. It's the kingdom of God. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it would make more sense if I said it like this. Did Jesus change your address? 
Did, did Jesus change where you live? Did Jesus change how you live? That's what that passage means, is that he took us from our old house and gave us a brand new house. Our old land gave us a brand new land. That, that word uh, delivered. Last year, our, 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 uh, our no, during COVID, our, our phrase, it was so weird during COVID because we, I look out and there's all you people here. Well, Easter 2020, this was an empty room and it was weird. And we, we talked about being rescued that year. And that's what, that's what the, that word delivered really means. It's we've been rescued by, not just rescued by a good person, but rescued by a sovereign power, somebody that's in control. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. I love Charles Spurgeon. He's a theologian from a long, long time ago. He said, beloved, we, are still, we still are tempted by Satan. Is that true? But we are not under his power. We have to fight with him. Listen, but we are not his slaves. He is not our king. He has no rights over us. That is good news, y'all. Redemption literally means that somebody paid a ransom for your release. And so when we read this passage and when we understand Easter, when we say that sin is redeemed, Jesus paid a debt that you owe. Jesus paid for what you could not. That's good news. I love this passage. It says in Romans, excuse me, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Listen, you better be glad that Easter really happened. We better be glad that Easter really, really, really took place because it did. Somebody might say, what's the big deal? What's the big deal with sin? You know, I'm not hurting anybody else. Yes, you are. You're hurting yourself. See, sin is the chain that's keeping you from becoming everything God has destined you to become. Sin is that thing that's robbing your life of passion and purpose, and Christ redeemed it. (laughs) And there is only one path to redemption. Now, you'd, you'd think that, you know, a few years ago in the Bible Belt... On Easter Sunday, I wouldn't have to say that, but I have to say it today. There's only one way. There's only one path. There's only one way for our sins to be redeemed. There's only one way to God, and his name is Jesus. (laughs) Y'all know me. I don't get up here and talk about politics. I I don't do that. That's not what this place is for. That's not my thing. Uh, But I got a text yesterday, so I'm not going to mention any names, you know, if y'all want to go to dinner with me and go to lunch, I'll tell you. I will talk all about it at the lunch table. But it was a, it was a, a, a tweet that took place last year from a, a senator. And here's what he said. A, a reverend senator. The meaning of Easter, listen, is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, it goes deeper than the resurrection of Jesus. Whether you're a Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. Listen, the truth is, regardless of how good you are, regardless of how many good works you do, 
how many times you walk in this building, how much money you drop in that bag or, or text to give. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. The only one way, there's only one way. It's the cross and an empty tomb. If there was a way, if there was another way, then the cross means nothing. The empty tomb means nothing. But I'm going to tell you it means something because there is only one way. And, and I, I, I say things like that, and here's what people think, and here's what people will say. Well, Christianity must be an extremely exclusive religion. It absolutely is. There's only one way. But here's the beautiful part. See, the blessings of adoption are only for the adopted. The privilege of adoption is open to whosoever will. Listen. Jesus said we'd be fishers of men. Guess what he did? He cast a huge net. Covers the whole world. So if, if you're here today and you're not experiencing the privileges of an adopted child of God, man, you don't have to leave here. You're, the, the privilege of adoption is wide open to you. But listen to me. There's only one way. What Easter means. Easter means sin is redeemed. Easter means, please hear this today, hope is restored. <laughs> I wonder what hope felt like in 1 B.C. I think it was a pretty miserable time. See, if what we understand about Scripture is before Jesus showed up, there's 400 years of silence. God didn't say a whole lot to... Actually, he didn't say anything. Not a prophecy, not a prophet, not a message, nothing for 400 years. You want to talk about hopeless? God, where are you? What are you, what are you doing? What are you, what are you saying? And all of a sudden, all these folks are expecting their Savior, their hope to ride in on a white stallion. And he shows up as a baby crying in a manger. Hope. Hope. See, the passage we read early says, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. A living hope. See, hope's one of those words we just throw around, isn't it? We just throw it around. It's, it's, it's truthfully, most people, when they use the word hope, we're really talking about wishful thinking, aren't we? Like, I, I hope, uh, I, somebody says, I got the flu. Well, I hope you feel better. I might lose my job. Well, I hope you don't. You know, that's not, that doesn't do anything for anybody, does it? Listen, if, if I got the flu, don't hope. Do something else. Pray, do something. Don't just hope. So my question is, what, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for this morning? You hoping for a better job? Is that what you hope for? You hoping for financial freedom? Is that what you're hoping for? You hoping for that God fixes your marriage? You hoping that God protects your kids? You hoping that God makes you healthy? You hoping that everything just works out? Is that what you're hoping for? Here's what the dictionary says: Hope is a feeling, the feeling of wanting something to happen, and thinking that it could happen. That's pretty depressing, isn't it? Here's what the Bible says about hope: Romans chapter 15 says, "I pray that God look look at this." The source of hope 
will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So maybe you've, maybe you've placed your hope in stuff. See, that, that pastor said confident hope. And see, that's, that's hope with a foundation. That's hope with some meat on it. It's hope when you mix hope and your faith, that's confident hope. So maybe you placed your hope in your career. Maybe. Or, or your retirement. Maybe that's, that's where your hope is today. Maybe you've placed your hope in your education. Good to have an education. Is that where you want to place your hope? I don't know. Maybe you've placed your hope in your talent. That it's going to be your talent that carries you to where you need to be. Maybe you've placed your hope in your marriage or your relationships. Maybe you've placed your hope in your friends or your family. Maybe you've placed your hope in your sobriety. I, is, is being sober a good thing? Is that where your hope is? Listen, if we place our hope in something, something will always need something else. If you place your hope in your job, sooner or later you're going to get tired of it and want a promotion. Am I right? Right? If you place your hope in your money, guess what you're going to want in a minute? More money. Right? I remember, now I'm, I'm a little older than many of y'all. I'm not as old as some of y'all. One or two. I remember as a, as a young man, I had this thought. If I could just make $8 an hour. If I could just make $8 an hour, we'd never want for anything. If I just make $8 an hour. Can I tell you what $8 an hour gets you right now? Hungry. That's what $8 an hour gets you. Right? See, it's, it, it, when we place our hope in the stuff, it's, it's never enough. There's always got to be something else. So if I place my hope in my career and the paycheck stops, guess what? Hope's gone. If I place my hope in my marriage and she walks out the door, she better not. <laughs> but if she does, hope's gone. I told her, if you decide you want to leave, you better pack two bags because I'm going with you. <laughs> if I place my hope in my friends and they find new friends, guess what? Hope's gone. Right here. Instead of you placing your hope in something, I want you to place your hope in someone. <laughs> He's enough. And he doesn't need something else. He's enough all by himself. <laughs> so maybe you're here on Easter Sunday. Maybe you're here every Sunday. You walk in this room. You're in the middle of a time of need. You're in the middle of a time of crisis. Maybe you're in the middle of a time that appears... Hopeless. I, I gave you that definition. Hope is the feeling of wanting something to happen and thinking that it could happen. I'm, I'm going to refute what our dictionary says. Hope isn't a feeling. Hope isn't a thought. Hope is a person. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. <laughs> and this hope is much beyond wishful thinking. 
hope that Christ and Christ alone brings it. It's not some abstract wannabe feeling that leaves as quickly as it came because all those other hopes are gone and they'll burn and they're over. They just don't last. I, I say that like I know what I'm talking about. I know what it is to place your hope in a career and it leave you wanting more. I know what it is to place your hope in stuff and it leave you wanting more. Can I tell you, everything that I've ever hoped in but Jesus has left me wanting more. The hope of Christ is a bedrock, y'all. So when... You know, I had this idea that if I followed Christ, that I'd never have a bad day. That if I followed Christ, that I'd never have to worry about money or health or relationships. I'd never have to worry about any of that stuff. I, I had this idea that, that all I had to do was go to church and live right and everything in my life would just fall into place. And I'm going to tell you that sometimes, for the, even for those who are following Jesus as closely as you can, calamity strikes. Heartache hits. Stuff hits you that you never expected. What do you do with that? Well, listen, if your hope is in, is in health, if your hope is in a relationship, then guess what? It's over. But in that moment when things don't go as planned, the scripture we just read said he's a living hope. He's very much alive because we celebrate that today. He's alive and well. Anybody know a living hope whose name is Jesus? Yeah. Amen. So Easter means, well, four of you. That was pretty cool that four of you clapped like that. That was awesome. It was awesome. I felt like I was at a golf match. Was that mean? I'm not supposed to do stuff like that on Easter, am I? I'm supposed to be nice on Easter. Easter means that sin is redeemed. Easter means hope is restored. Easter means death is defeated. We just read it. He has caused to be, us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus really died. I, for several years when we first planted Life Point, what my Easter sermon was, and sometimes I miss it because I love talking about this, was just how what, what happened to Jesus physiologically and how it, the idea that Jesus didn't really die, that he just passed out and they, you know, they put him in the tomb. and that, That's ludicrous. There's, Jesus was, was strong and Jesus' body, you know, he's a carpenter, so he was kind of buff. And, and here's the thing, he should have been dead long before he got to the cross. So I want you to know, in case you're wondering, Jesus really died on that cross. And he really rose from the dead three days later. I, I like, I like, uh, all right, I, I, let, me, let me say it like this. I am not afraid to die. But I am afraid of things that can kill me. Can I explain to you what that might look like? No, not Six Flags. Um, I was, I, I'd been up late doing some schoolwork uh, this past week. And I, I was sitting there on the TV. Donna was already in the bed. And the, the, just the glow of the, the television in the living room. And one, one light on in the kitchen. And I'm just kind of watching TV. And all of a sudden, I see something scurry across my floor. And I'm like, that's a bug. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't usually see him because my man Danny Huff takes care of our pest control. And it's, it's good stuff. 
And, and so I was like, what is, what is going on there? And I'm like, I thought it was, I don't gross you out, but I thought it was one of those big tree roaches. You know what I'm talking about? Those nasty Philistines that come in your house sometimes. <laughs> and, and so I got, I got closer to it, and I was like, all right, we've got to get rid of that because my wife sees it. She's going to pass out and die, and it's going to be <laughs> awful. It's going to be an awful day. And so I, I got really close to it, and I was like, that is not a tree roach. And so I kind of kicked it over into the light, and y'all, y'all, <laughs> I'm like, that's a hornet. And it was so big, it was this big. <laughs> All right, maybe that was a, that was a slight exaggeration. It w- the children all over there, so I can say this. It was so big, I thought it was two hornets mating. And I don't know how they do that, but that's what I thought was happening on my living room floor. And, and, and so I, I did what every good American man would do. I stomped it nine times. That's right. That's what you're supposed to do with those things. And, and threw it away, and then... The next morning, I texted Donna. I'm like, you won't believe what happened. I told her the whole story, and she sends me a picture and said, did it look like this? And I said, yeah. She said, could it be a murder hornet? And I went, it was a murder hornet. It absolutely was a murder hornet. And I said, you need to come home right now because we have to move. Which leads me, if there's murder hornets in Walton County, we're launching Life Point Iceland. We are leaving. Like, oh. Like, it probably wasn't a murder hornet. But for just a minute there, I was like, oh, I almost picked up a murder hornet. Because I was reaching down to pick it up. Was. I went fishing with my good friend Alan Friday. And we're, we're fishing and we're having a wonderful time. And he said, do you see that water moccasin? <laughs> I said, no. He said, it's in the tree. And I looked over there, y'all. That water moccasin was as thick as my leg. Were y'all there? <laughs> All right, it was, it was big. The big water moccasin. And so for a, about an hour, I fished like I had kept my eye on that water moccasin. <laughs> like, and then it disappeared, and I'm like, hey, uh, Al, where'd it go? <laughs> where'd it go? So I'm learning that I'm, I'm not afraid to die, but I am afraid of things that might kill me. <laughs> and oh, by the way, if we're ever in a boat again, Alan, or anybody else, and you see a water moccasin is more than 10 feet away from me, I don't need to know. <laughs> Just keep it to yourself. Right? Can I tell you why I'm not afraid to die? Because I'm really not. Romans chapter 6, verse 8. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. That's good news. That's what Easter's all about. I don't have to be afraid to die. You don't have to be afraid to die because guess what? You're not gonna. You're gonna live forever in a place where Christ 
lives. And that's Easter Sunday. That's Easter. See, that verse tells me that if death doesn't have any power over him, it doesn't have any power over me. If, if the worst thing the enemy can do is kill you, See, death is defeated. And because death is defeated, dead things can live. Because death is defeated, failure isn't final. And I, that, that last line I put in this sermon this morning, because in my office, here's what I felt like. I felt like there are going to be people here in this room today that would say, I failed God too much. I've, I've overextended His grace. I've outrun His mercy. Because death is defeated, your failure isn't final. So here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody looking around. I find it interesting that every pastor on the planet says those words and everybody cheats. Everybody looks around. So I'm going to ask you not to today. Because here's what I feel like. I feel like you're in the room and maybe, maybe there's, there's three things, three ways. Guys, real quiet. Real quiet. Three ways. Three things that Easter can mean to you this morning. Maybe you're carrying around sin that needs redemption and forgiveness. Maybe you're carrying around some stuff. I need you to hear from me this morning that sin is a sickness and there's only one cure. And if you're carrying that stuff around, can I tell you that, that condemnation that you feel, that guilt that you feel, is not God's plan for you. God doesn't want you to, to walk through your life feeling guilty and condemned. He doesn't walk, want you to walk through your life chained to an addiction, chained to a habit, chained to stuff that's killing you. Change to, act, change to attitudes and actions that, that, that rob you of your joy. Rob you of the abundant life that only Christ can give. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're here and you're carrying around sin that needs redemption, needs to be forgiven. Maybe you're here and you walked in this building feeling hopeless. Maybe you walked in the building and, and you've placed your hope in a something instead of a someone. You feel hopeless. Or maybe you walked in the building and there's something dead in you that needs to live again. Maybe there was a time when you were passionate about the God that you love. 
and circumstances and life got in the way. And the passion that you once felt for God just seems to have dimmed to an ember. Maybe that's you. Maybe there's a time in your life when you were determined to live for Christ. You were determined to live for Christ. And that determination has waned. Maybe there was a time when you would come into the church and your, your worship was intense. And the enemy has quietened your voice. Quietened your worship. Quietened your praise. So with nobody looking around, I just, I just want to know who I'm praying for this morning. Now listen, you don't have to worry. I, I'm not going to drag you up here. All I'm going to do is pray for you. But I just want to know who I'm praying for. You're here and there's, there's sin that needs to be forgiven. There's hope in your life that needs to be restored. Or there's something dead that you need God to resurrect in your life this morning. And I want to pray for you. If you're here and you've never received Christ, I want to pray for you. If you're here and you've wandered from Him, I want to pray for you. So if you would say, Dwayne, I, I just, in, in your prayer this morning, I want to be included because I, I, I've got some stuff that, that I need God to do in my life. If you just want to be included in this prayer, all I want you to do is just slip your hand up. Amen. 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 Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray and we're going to believe that God's going to answer your prayer. He's going to forgive and redeem sin. He's going to restore hope and he's going to resurrect something that needs to be resurrected in your life. And then we're going to leave this Easter Sunday morning in a moment of worship. We're going to leave celebrating the goodness of God and the great things that he's done. But right now I'm going to pray for you. Father in Jesus' name, Thank you for Easter Sunday. Where would we be without a risen Savior and the hope of Christ? Father, some of us are in this room and we, we need sin forgiven. So God, I pray. Hey, if that's you, if you're in this room and you need... You need God to wash you and cleanse you of a sin. I, listen, I don't always do this, but I'm going to do it today. If you'd repeat this prayer with me, it, it, it can be my words, but, but if you'll mean this from your heart, here's what I believe is going to happen in your life today. That this, this whole thing we talked about being born again, about being a new creature can happen for you right now. The Bible says, it, it's very simple. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead that you'd be saved your sins will be forgiven so that's all I'm going to ask you to do this morning you, you can say these words but I want you to mean them in your heart Father I believe in your son Jesus I believe he came to this earth I believe he died for my sin 
And I believe you rose again on the third day. Forgive my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me in your blood. Make me a new creature. I'm going to live for me for you from now till eternity. Make me a home in heaven. Help me take somebody with me. Give my life purpose and passion and meaning. And Lord, those that walk in this building and they feel hopeless, they put their hope in a something. God, today we place our hope in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And God, I pray for the ones that are in this building. And there's a passion that has died. Would you resurrect it today? By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you breathe life and breathe breath into something that had died? Enemies robbed someone of their worship, and you're going to breathe it back into their life this morning. Robbed them of passion, and you're going to breathe it into them this morning. You're able and more than able. Most of all, Lord Jesus, we are thankful for what you've done, thankful for who you are, and we're thankful for Easter Sunday. Would you stand all across this room? We're going to leave this place in a powerful time of worship on this Easter Sunday morning. Let's worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. Nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood, the blood. There is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood, the blood that calls the sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the For a risen Savior, God, we celebrate you today. Jesus' name. Hey, before I let you go, 
Take that connection card. God's done something special in your heart today. Hey, we want to celebrate with you. So just, just jot something down on the bottom of that connection card. If you've got a prayer request, put it on that connection card. If you don't want anybody to see it but me, check that box at the top. I love you. Thank you so much for worshiping at Life Point this Easter Sunday. Come on. Offer the Lord an ovation of praise. Amen, amen. God bless you. Have an awesome Easter Sunday.